This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Maester DeShane, whose words are the flame and the void. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, today we are into Chapter 12, Eddard 2 of A Game of Thrones, and Aenys 1 in A World of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff today in the show, uh, Sir Matt. We've got uh, some new stuff um, that we want to kind of uh, throw in here at the end, mm-hmm. and... Uh, some some fun stuff in small council today. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah, so um, should we go ahead and plug the phone number and where you can reach us? At? Yeah, go ahead and uh, we always put this at the beginning just so it's easy to find. Um, you can give us, you can leave, send us a what do you call that? Like a voice raven? I don't yeah, know. it's a voice raven or it's it's a message through the Weirwood network. Right there you go. Okay, yeah. All right, you can you can send that uh, or make that through uh, this number six one four five four seven two three five zero. You can also send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Small councils. So I dug deep, yeah. and I uh, traversed all over the realm, and there's really no show news or book news. Things are quiet. I feel like there's a storm coming, but uh, <laughs> right now it's a little quiet. Yes, so, yes. Um, yeah. Nothing really to do. So um, Sir Ezra and I... Uh, did catch up on some other news. Yeah, yeah, some other royal decrees and events happening this weekend. Yeah, we did. And uh, guys, can I just say that the only weddings I like are red weddings. Yeah. So, <laughs> Let's go. I mean, here's my question. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, the royal wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, did we authorize that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where they get off. Yeah. To be uh, honest with you. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the queen can come bend the knee. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, to our British listeners, I apologize. We're, as, totally. as we say often here, we are uh, ignorant Americans. We are. We are. Okay. Guys, we're just, um, we're just humble hedge knights, too. Yeah. So we, we really... Yeah, I mean, so, you know. so Kate, or not Kate Middleton, um, right. that's what team I'm on. Just right. like I'm on Team Yanny, okay? Right. Yeah, I support exactly. House Yanny, and House I support Yanny. House, you know, Kate Middleton over yeah. House Merkel. Yep. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, I'm just, so Meghan Merkel is an American. Mm-hmm. So does she, now she, right. how does that work? I, what if, I mean, what if she wants to run for president? Yeah. You know, what are we going to do? She, can she? All, I feel like there's a lot of rep, you know, she's a citizen. I feel like there's a lot of taxation going on and no representation. That, okay. It, right. I might go to Boston right now and start dumping tea in the harbor over this. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling okay. it for some tea. I am too. I know. <laughs> all I know is that it occupied all of the weekend. It's all everyone Boy, was talking it about. It sure did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the kingdom seems like it's in good spirits. I guess. So. Yeah. And I think that makes the rest of the world happy. So mm-hmm. it's it's good. It's yeah. it's not. We will we'll let it stand. Yeah, I suppose. So I suppose. <laughs> All right. Uh, in other news, yes, there is an order out there. 
And oh, yeah. They go by the name, the Order of the Green Hand. Yeah. And now, here's what, here's what I'll say, guys. <laughs> I am so fired up after their last episode. Yeah. Here's the thing. If, I mean, I made two gracious plugs yeah. on this show. We've made a couple. I don't know if people forgot what the name of this show is. Yeah. But could you please remind us, Sir Matt? Yeah, when we were uh, coming up with the name for the show, it, we we specifically chose this name, and we use the Targaryen banner. You know, so many, so many other people, and we love the Starks. We love every. We love the Baratheons. Sure, I, heck, I'm even fine with the Great Joys. Okay, I mean they, you know, they fail a lot, but you know, I'm fine with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we specifically chose the Targaryens because, well, one, they're the real kings, and um, two, it's about bending the knee. We're we're not here to play nice with other podcasts or YouTube channels. Yeah, we're out to be the best. Well, and here's the thing. So I was playing nice, you know. I was, when I when I yeah. you see something and you say, "Hey, that that that's cool. We like that, etc." But when you go and make the statements that they made in their Aegon conquest mm-hmm. video that they surprisingly did right right after, after we did ours. I don't know, man. And also, they made a big, you know, a big uh, a push here, a big apology, right? That they didn't do it earlier. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, they just seem to do it. It's okay. They seem to mention like exactly the same things we were mentioning. Yeah, but then you might say, "Well, that's because it's coming out of the book." But no, they took it a step further. Yeah, and then they started making absolutely false claims. They started perverting it. Yeah. Now I'm that's fine. What I call it. Now I'm fine with some people. They are big believers in this whole <laughs> uh Shara Dane Ned Stark is the sure. parents of Jon Snow, and that's fine. And they will go as far as to claim it. And they'll say sure. they just say this is how it is, and I'm fine with that. Sure, but in their most recent video mm-hmm. that you know they've essentially stole from, like, stole you from us, yeah, you can't yeah. steal from the crown. Okay? I'm sorry, yeah, no, yeah. You, as as we'll as we'll get to later, as you as we'll get to later, we a lot of our listeners have sworn fealty to right. us. They have, and they said this is the only podcast I mean to bend my knee to. So <laughs> we'll get to that later. I swear to you, I swear by the old gods and, and the, the new, new. Okay, that if they try this again. I'll call the banners. Yeah, I will. Too. I will call the banners on their ass. Yeah, it's so a, fast. It's, yeah, it's okay. Here, here at Bend the Knee, we don't call in. We call out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is a royal decree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fool so me. Anyways. Fool me once. Shame on you know. Uh-huh. You can't fool me twice. That's right. That's what he said. <laughs> okay. Our great president. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, this just a little warning to them because I know mm-hmm. they're listening. Okay, mm-hmm. I know they listen to bend the knee, so we're coming for you. Yeah, just wait till we post our theory. Yeah, which again, guys, we're working on uh, a couple a couple announcements as we go forward. Uh, let's see here. Um, we've got oh boy. So to further explain the Black Council, which is our Patreon exclusive series, which is airing um, June first. Uh, I believe it's airing Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Yeah. Is it really okay? Cool. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Matt knows. Um, Which is next Monday. Next Monday. That's perfect. everyone. Ha- most everyone has the day off. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, so that's on patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. Um, we are basically taking the last four, you know, chapters that we've done in a world of ice and fire, picking a person, an event, a location or something. One of those cool connection pieces 
and we are going hard yeah. to the wall on this. Yeah, we're going down the deepest of rabbit holes because that's, that's right. what people say they like. Yeah, so we're going there. So we just want to give you that quick uh, tidbit there. Um, also, those of you who uh, have pledged as um, you know on on our Patreon. Uh, please send us your Westerosi title and house words. We are going to cycle back through everybody that we have. Um, it's just kind of cooler to wait until you mm-hmm. guys have sent us your words uh, to give that quick shout out. And we can help so. with that because some people have said, I don't really know what to put. Sure. And yeah. so we can help you come up with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just message uh, Sir Matt or I and, uh, and we'll we'll get that going for you guys. So Because we definitely want to give you a shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just think it's cool. We can have your title and we can have your words in there. So Yes. All right. Um, anything else for the small council business? No, I believe I believe that is it. Okay. We are into the Maester's study. Yes. Which has become one of my favorite parts of the show. It has, yeah. And I think it's becoming a lot of other people's favorite parts because it's getting a lot of a lot of traction. A lot of people are messaging us right. I about think it's, it. Right. I think it's the... Uh, I'm start, actually starting to believe that the Maester's study and follow-up Friday are now bigger and yeah. more sought after than the reread itself. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's, it's just just in far of the comments that I get. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is same here. Same here. But, and our follow-up Friday episode... Uh, are starting to, in terms of you know the downloads and, and numbers, yeah. they're actually starting to beat the mm-hmm. main mm-hmm. series, which so, is fine because yeah. you know you take those topics and in that fall Friday can go anywhere from Anything. ancient history to speculating to the end of you know the the season or the series. Right. Uh, so there's that. I know who really does like the Maester study, the Order of the Green Hand. Yeah, apparently I'm sick and tired of that. It's the last time I'm mentioning them on this podcast ever yeah. again. All right. Um, Aenys Targaryen. I demand a trial by combat. You want to? I, I, when we call the banners, I will. Justice will be served. I okay. swear to you. If you want a trial by seven, you let me know. Okay. I will have. I'll, we'll I'll call the. We'll seven. call the banners. I'll be one of your seven. Okay. So, okay. Um, Aenys Targaryen. Um, so last week we went over Aegon the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Correct. And uh, this one is is a little bit shorter. Um, but let's get into what we learned about Aenys uh, Targaryen here. Uh, uh, first. Yeah, can I just read the... I'll just go ahead and read the first passage here. Yeah. When the dragon passed away at the age of 46, his reign had been uncontested by all of this, all save the Dornishmen. He had ruled wisely, showing himself well during his royal progresses, uh, displaying due difference to the high septums, rewarding those who served well and aiding those who required it. Yet beneath the surface of his largely peaceful rule was a rolling cauldron of dissent. Mm-hmm. In their hearts, many of his subjects still cherished the old days when the great houses ruled their own domains with unquestioned sovereignty. Others wished vengeance for loved ones killed in the wars, and still others saw the Targaryens as abominations. Brothers wed to sisters with their incestuous couplings, producing um, misbegotten heirs. The strength of Aegon and his sisters and those and their dragons had been enough to subdue those who opposed them, but the same could not be said for their heirs. It was Aenys, Aegon's firstborn by his beloved Rhaenys, who came to the throne in the year 37 AC at the age of 30. He was crowned with a great ceremony in the Red Keep in the midst of its construction, donning an ornate golden crown rather than his father's circlet of Valyrian steel. Okay, good. We'll take a a quick pause from the reading there because I wanted to mention here, so for 37 years... Essentially, is that when the, he was yes. he, he was crowned? Correct. Yeah, he was born. I believe it doesn't. I don't know if it actually. S- yeah, it s- does say in the previous chapter. I think. Yeah, or, he was born or, around. I believe eleven AC. Okay, and well, that um, would make sense, right? Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Ish, sure. Something like that. And 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 born to, Rainies. Yes. You know, which is which is very important to mention. Um, yes. So the youngest of the you know Targaryens, um, 
Aegon's firstborn. Yes. Correct? And born to Rhaenys. So for 37 years, you've got some solid reign going on there. Some, some yes. the, the kingdom is, is essentially was ruled well, and uh, not much was really... I mean, there might have been some grumblings, and maybe, you know, in secret, uh, the, the uh, great lords were, were reminiscing about the days of old, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, they could, when they were kings, you know. So it's still pretty fresh, but uh, there wasn't much trouble. I mean, there, there was, you know, Aegon seemed to, to rule his kingdom pretty well. Right. So, uh, and that is not necessarily the case for right. Aenys. Or most any other king that comes. And that's what they said. After, and, and, yeah. And, and, you know, Gurr mentioned in the last uh, chapter that going forward, they all tend, they, they, they struggle to keep it together. Um, and it, it's, it's, yeah. it's a task. But, I mean, again, it's, uh, I mean, Robert Baratheon and everyone is having, they're having their own troubles. Right. You know, keeping the peace. And rebellions come up. The great boys rebel. And, yeah. And you put it down. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah all, so. all, yeah, all the time you'll have tiny little rebellions and stuff like that. Um, we'll get to it later, but actually I'll make, uh, I believe this reminds me a lot of Rome when uh, Octavius then, you know, becomes Augustus Caesar kind of takes, kind of is, you know, the first uh, emperor of Rome kind of takes charge and everything's kind of cool under his reign. And then, you know, as you get to his death, that's when kind of like things start getting shifted around. You get some crazy people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that now. Yeah, exactly. We will. One other thing, too. There's the mention of he, they have he has put away the uh, ruby crown. Yeah. So he's using or the, the Valyrian steel crown. He's donning an ornate golden crown rather mm-hmm. than his father's yeah. crown, which is interesting. Right? Yeah. There's your first misstep. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but through his father and brother, Magor, who was Visenya's child, uh, were both warriors born. Aenys was made of different stuff. He had, be, uh, he had begun life as a weak and sickly infant and remained so throughout his earliest years. Rumors abounded that he, uh, that, this could not, that he could be no true son of Aegon the Conqueror, who had been a warrior without peer. In fact, it was well known that Queen Rhaenys delighted in some handsome singers and witty mummers. Uh, perhaps one of these might have fathered the child, but the rumors dampened and eventually died when the sickly child was given a young hatchling who was named Quicksilver. And the, as and as the dragon grew, so too did Aenys. Good, and that's important to note uh, the 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 birth of Quicksilver, mm-hmm. uh, the the dragon, because that will will come up later. Actually. Yes, and um, something else I want to make a, a connection here. Yeah. Um, as w- when we get to the end of this chapter, um, and you we we'll get into Megor. Um, doesn't this also kind of remind you of another kind of two sons? Uh, you know, Damon and Darren, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you know who who like should you know should. Right. Who you have, was you have a warrior one and another one who's kind of bookish. And yes. Yes. It does. Some political backstabbing and stuff going on to decided mm-hmm. to see who should be the, the rightful heir. Right. And, and I think, you know, Amy's they mentioned that the, the company that his mother kept. Well, she liked poets and singers and, you know, uh, witty mummers herself. So I don't necessarily mean that. I think that's more that he got that from his mother from yeah. Rainey's is, is just the way I right. kind of see that she's sometimes you you know your parents can be sort of this this mirror and you yeah. pick up some of what they're interested in so you know definitely is born of Rainey's um Targaryen so that's that is clear uh but people people love to sort of spread the idea that well maybe he wasn't mm-hmm. and so that starts from the beginning you yeah. know 
So you see right out the get go where they you could, this person couldn't possibly be born of, you know, there's there's no way, you know. Right. Well, but, yeah. As so, soon, yeah, well, it's right. So you have Aegon who like you know essentially claims the throne and then has a pretty good rule and then immediately once he's gone, dissent is you know, and you see like kind of political backstabbing. Think like if you think of, like George Washington, right? George Washington becomes president and then. You know, he's like, I don't think we should have political parties. And the second he <laughs> leaves, well, then we have political parties. And, you know, that sets us up for the everything we've had since. Right. So it's just kind of how kind of how it works when you have revolutions or, you know, conquests oh, or whatever. Absolutely. Yes. So um, let's get into now <clears throat> a little bit of the the, the troubles that sort of plagued Amy's, um his rule. OK. Uh, we'll talk about there's some marriage stuff that happens here at the end of the chapter that's that's interesting uh, issues with the high septon and, and things like that. But first, if you remember Hair in the Black, right from a couple episodes or from a couple chapters ago, Aegon ended his line. Yeah, correct. Well, what he said, yeah, that's what he said. He he t- he took uh, Balerion, you know, high up into the sky, came back down, and and ended it. Mm-hmm. Okay, or so the Maesters told us. <clears throat> That is what they told us. You're yeah. right. Uh, and he, well, he said he would. He yeah. said this day, you know, your line will end, you know. And um, so after the Conqueror's death, it didn't take long before the challengers to the Targaryen rule emerged. The first of these was the bandit and outlaw named Heron the Red. Um, and Heron the Red basically goes back to Hall and sort of takes over there. Actually, um, which I'll let, which right now. That's the worst thing you could do because that place, as we know later, yeah. is cursed, and everyone who takes everyone who takes over Heron Hall right. has pretty bad luck. Right. Yes. Um, right now, I think the person who is who is holding that um, Lord um, Lord Garen is uh, is that how you say it, Lord mm-hmm. Lord, Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's known as as oh. Garen the Guest. Is it Gargan? Is it Gargan? G A R G O N. Gargan. Oh, let's, see, let's go with that. Gargan. Gargan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, um, Lord Gargan. So Lord Gargan the Guest. Um, basically he's known for attending these weddings, right? Where he goes and he takes, uh, his, his exercise eh, right to the first night. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a good time. You yeah. know, the betting ceremony, right? It's always there for, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <clears throat> not a nice guy. No. Right. And the, um, hair in the red goes in and basically, um, kills him. So yeah. takes back Heron hall. Um, and as this is going on, basically there at river run, uh, the king is there with with um, with Lord Tully. It's this is a characteristic of Aenys. Aenys wanted every he wanted to please everyone. He wanted to make sure everyone was happy, enjoyed you know um, him and his reign. He didn't want to make anybody mad. Right. So he's he's very indecisive, um, and that sort of cost him and 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 Tully here because they weren't able to go in and get the Red Heron when he was at Heron Hall. So. They had to. He actually ends up being of the uprisings that Aenys uh, faces. Um, you know, Heron the Red is the last one that he right. will actually um, be able to. Well, not even not even Aenys himself necessarily, but uh, the last one that is put down, so to speak, during his reign. Right. Um, okay, so let's go into the next one. Who do we got next? We had a couple more. Uh, after 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 Heron the Red. Um, uh, well, then the chapter kind of talks about uh, more rebels soon appeared in the Vale and the Iron Islands, while a Dornishman naming himself the Vulture King um, gathered thousands of followers to stand against the Targaryens. Um, Grandmaster Gawain wrote that the king was stunned by this news, for her Aenys fancied himself beloved of the commons. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then you have, so you have him and you have, uh, who is the other one? The Dornish one. Uh, as for the Vulture King, no, I don't see the Dornish one. You mean the, the well, so the Dorn, the, the Dornish, um, you know, is, that's just the Vulture King. Oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So what you have going on in the Vale is you have Jonas Aaron basically, that's, yeah. He basically goes in, and he that's the rebellion that's happening in the Vale. So right now, you have in the Riverlands, you've got the Red Heron running around like crazy. Right. Down in Dorne, um, you've got the Vulture King, who rose, I believe, 30, they said 30-some thousand yeah. to, his, to his cause. And then over in the Vale, you have Jonas Aaron, uh, who imprisons his own brother, um, Lord um, Ronald. Mm-hmm. And and then basically, as soon as he does that, he he sort of uh, he kicks he's, him at the moon door. Well, yeah, but he first he kind of recalls him. He's he's afraid that the red heron and his men might infiltrate. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So to deal with that, Anies, this is his his uh, indecisive his indecisiveness. When Jonas um, imprisons his brother, he sends a fleet up to the Vale, and he, then he has to recall them. He, he calls them back because he's so, he doesn't know where um, you know, Heron the Red is. Right. You know? So he wants them back, so he, he goes to deal with it. No, wait, call them back because I want to protect King's Landing just in case something happens. So super kind of uh, indecisive, and that was really what plagued uh, right. his, his reign. Yeah, and then there's another one, which is just literally one tiny little paragraph here. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, in the Iron Islands, a man who claimed to be the King Lodos Reborn was swiftly dispatched by Lord Gorin Greyjoy, who sent his uh, pickled head to King Aenys. In return, Aenys granted uh, Gorin a boon, a boon that Lord Gorin used to oust the faith from the Iron Islands to the dismay of the rest of the realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and what that does... I mean that's that's interesting. That's where you get the whole. They they, they were never truly happy with, with the, the seven. seven. Yeah, right. And so that's their chance to kind they of just have the drowned god. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they get a they get a wish granted uh, by the king, and that's like we don't want the seven here. Yeah. So, um, and good for them. You know, don't force religion on people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's what they it's what they want. It's what so. you want. You know. Yeah. Um. So then so, it kind of then the chapter kind of goes back to the the vulture king. The vulture yeah. king. And what's interesting about that is. You have uh, Princess, um, uh, is it Daria? Uh, yeah. So Princess Daria, who basically is the ruling, you know, um, you know, monarch there, right? In uh, in 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 Dorne, says, you know, assures Aenys that the Martells, they only desire peace. They're yeah. they're they're not they're not supporting this Vulture King. Do you believe that, Sir Matt? Well, you know, the Dornish are kind of. Um, you know they're on they're, they're snakes they are uh, okay yes. let's let's just call it let's just call it like it they're is un, they're yeah. unbent unbowed unbroken, unbroken right yeah they do they they march to the beat of their own drum right so um now the vulture king has some early success uh he has early victories um he's got swelling support and i think this is where we kind of talked about that he had um he had raised almost i believe 30 some thousand i can't remember maybe i'm making that number yeah. up here let me see um, see if you can find it, but it, uh, to to meet that though, uh, they actually the um, the old hand Ors Baratheon yeah. and the Marcher Lords, mm-hmm. especially Savage Sam uh, Tarly, is is called upon to basically combat the Vulture King. Now this is pretty cool, yeah, and he takes Heartsbane, his Valyrian yes. steel sword, right? And so this is where we get that reference. We we yeah. hear this in the series. Uh, we know this is S- Sam Tarly. He's named after. 
you know, uh, Savage Sam. Yeah. So, which is cool. He right? is kind of a savage. Yeah. Hooking up with Wildlands. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> stealing swords and stealing stuff out of That's right. the Citadel. Gosh. He's kind of a boss. He is a boss. I love yeah. Sam. Um, but this is where you get to sort of see the Tarleys, you know, and then even Sam's uh, father in the main series is they're, they're known for being, you know, good leaders, good military minds um, can really, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're, they're important to a lot of different causes yeah. uh, throughout this whole series. So um, then, the, then the chapter, this is, then it kind of gets to, um, it kind of gets back to some more political backstabbing that happens mm-hmm. under Annie's and it gets to kind of the faith, which it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, like season like five or six or whatever, when Cersei and Tommen and everyone is Marjorie, they're all dealing with the faith. Yeah, um, right, right. Yeah, so uh, with peace established, the king thanked the chief lords and champions who had put down these rebels and enemies of the throne, and the foremost reward went to his brother, Prince Magor, whom Aenys named the new hand of the king. It seemed at the time the wisest choice, and yet it sowed the seeds that sealed Aenys' doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, we kind of have the little passage, like the little tiny passages at the bottom of these where they kind of break off and adds more fluff from like a different maester's perspective. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Gliding. Yeah. Um, and then, so then it kind of talks, it kind of goes into the Valyrian marriage. Um, ceremony so i'll read that here okay tradition among the targaryens had always been to marry marry kin to kin uh, wedding brother to sister was thought to be ideal fail uh failing that a girl might wed an uncle a cousin a nephew a boy a cousin aunt or niece this practice went back to the old valyria where it was common amongst many of the ancient families particularly those who uh, bred and rode dragons the blood of the dragon must remain pure the wisdom went some of the sorcerer princesses also took more than one wife when it pleased them though this was less common than incestuous marriage. In Valyria, before the doom, uh, wise men wrote, a thousand gods were honored, but none were feared, so few dared to speak against these customs. This was not true in Westeros, where the power of the faith went unquestioned. Incest was denounced as vile sin, whether between father and daughter, mother and son, or brother and sister, and the fruits of such unions were considered abominations in the sights of gods and men. With hindsight, it can be seen that this conflict between the faith and the house Targaryen was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because that is now basically uh, this 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 idea that that's their tradition, right? Mm-hmm. That is the Targaryen, the Valerian, um, you know, way, right? Mm-hmm. And, Lannister. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. Um, and, and now you get into the, um, you know, the 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 High Septon was fine, right? When Aegon was. You know, and, and his sisters were on their dragons. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, taken down. I mean, Lord Hightower basically comes out and, and bends the knee, right? Mm-hmm. And gives up Old Town and, and protects You know, it's, it's right. we're all good here, right? And then they crown him. You know, they didn't care that he had, he, not only did he marry his sisters, he married both. I mean, he married both of them. Yeah. I mean, right? So it's that he has so two polygamy. wives. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now that was rare. They mentioned that. Though. Yeah. That's not normal necessarily. Uh-huh. Right. But it, it matters because that was, that happens here a little bit. Um, with one of, with one of uh, Aegon's sons, so yeah. so so interesting. Uh, let's see. So, and just real quickly to, to mention that um, the a- Alan Stokeworth was the one who put down Hair in the Red earlier. I forgot to mention that. So he puts that rebellion down, cornered him, and that's what brought the peace back to the back to the um, you know Aenys reign. But like you had said, all of that had sowed a bunch of dissension, and and it was yeah. uh, very troublesome. So now. He it comes down. It's time now that, now that there's peace. 
to make these uh, marriages. Marriages, right? Yeah, yeah. Right here, uh, Prince Aenys was wed in 22 AC to Alyssa Valerion, the daughter of the king's master of ships and lord admiral. Though she was a Targaryen upon her mother's side, this only made her a cousin. But when tradition looked to continue yet again, matters came to a sudden head. Queen Visenya proposed that Maegor be wed to Aenys' first child, uh, Rania. But the High Septum mounted a vigorous protest, and Megor was wed instead to the High Septum's own niece, Lady Cerse, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, of House Hightower. Uh, but that proved to be a barren marriage when Aenys uh, bore more fruit as Rhaenya was followed by his son and heir, Aegon, and later uh, Viserys, Jaehaerys, and Alysanne. Yep. So, yeah, it, interesting, interesting there, though, that is the High Septum protesting it because it's an incestuous marriage or is it he protesting it and then suddenly yeah lady cerise yeah then, yeah then of hightower then he's to the yeah. his own niece yeah right and and lady cerise so that actually goes on so into that's a name you'll want to remember um and hopefully we pronounce it right but um he it's something that it mentions that she is barren mm-hmm. pay close attention to this later okay is yeah. she barren yeah okay so we'll get into that in the next um you know chapter but uh, Magor is, he's, he, you know, he wants to kind of, he is still subject to his brother Aenys at this mm-hmm. time. And so he start he kind of has to fall in line, but he didn't want this marriage. It was sort of forced upon him, but makes it work, I believe, mm-hmm. um, for the time being. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so let's see now, uh, let's go in a little bit here. So Aenys seemed to uh, content to let the matter lie um, with Magor's. Oh, we need to mention just a little bit here what happened right after that. So um, Magor actually shocked the realm in 39 AC by announcing that he had taken a second wife. Yes. And that's the problem, right? So I mentioned that that uh, Lady Cerise is, is barren, okay? And so he can't have... He's a little bit jealous. He's a little bit envious of his of his brother for having all of these children um, and, you know, continuing the line. They think that's important. They, they, they believe mm-hmm. that's super important to purify and continue their, their line. He can't do that. He can't even help. I mean, cause it, if anything, he would want to supply some offspring that could marry into his brother's, you know, yeah. um, line, I guess. Right. If that makes well, sense. Well, think about this though is didn't Aegon, so here's here's a real question. So this is kind of something. So yep. is it his firstborn that has the true reign? Because he he uh, Aegon marries Visenya, and then also takes Rhaenys as his wife. Mm-hmm. So did he marry them both at the same time, or did he marry one and then the other? That's a great question. I I don't it think does, it, said, it does it does say that he took Visenya first because she was older. Right. Right. And that was like then custom. he also then he also took then he also takes takes Rainy out of right. pleasure. So the real because, question is, yeah. wouldn't Megor actually be the true heir? Because it would be it was almost like Rainey's is his second wife, so shouldn't it be the son, even if it's born out of you know in See, different that's I think it just comes down to it, yeah, right. So there, that's a two different ways of thinking. So is it Aegon's firstborn son? Or is it Aegon's firstborn son by his first wife? Right. Does that matter? You know, type of yeah. thing is what you're asking. Yeah. yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. I think I think the way this will work going forward is it's always the firstborn son of the king. Doesn't yeah. matter who his, you know. Whether um, as long as it's a legitimate son. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's a legitimate son, then then there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So good freaking question, though. So 
Um, see, this is this is where you get into well claims, right? All these different disputed claims based upon different disputed oh, yeah. circumstances, and absolutely, absolutely. So now he decides to take um, um, uh, Elise of height of of House Haraway, right? So that's who, and, and he does this in secret, right? Sounds like someone else would be now. Yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? It does. <laughs> yeah. So he had her wed in the Valyrian. Uh, ceremony officiated by Queen Visenya, um, basically, you know, in, in place of a, a septon who was willing to, right. to 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 wed them, and the public outcry was such that Aenys was finally forced to exile his brother. Yeah, wow, and that that's pretty that's big pretty deal. Something, yeah. yeah, because don't forget, um, uh, actually, I don't know, remember, I don't remember if it's now or later, but Magor uh, takes Balerion. Yeah. So that was like because it's it's kind of almost like these dragon riders have to kind of make a connection, right? You know, to their 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 dragons, right? And and so Aenys was, I believe, in his crib. It doesn't say this, so I'm definitely speculating here. But that he was wow, word of the green hand. Yeah, watch out, <laughs> you know. But like when they put Quicksilver, um, and that hatchling in his in with him. You know, he was sickly as a child, but and then as Quicksilver grew, so did he. Yeah, remember that line. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I imagine that maybe Magor didn't have an egg in his, you know, crib growing up, and he got, you know, Balerion. Yeah, which is cool. I think. Yeah, big deal later. It is. All right. So, um, and he seemed to seemed content to let the matter lie with Magor's exile, but the High Septon was still not satisfied. Are um, you serious? Yeah, it doesn't sound surprising. No, seriously. Who, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, mm. you're, you're going to talk about this guy later, right? A little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because uh, that's definitely something. Um, Aenys made matters... Um, okay, so here we go. He um, he wants these different appointments. Um, so, let's see. Aenys' new hand could wholly repair the breach with the faith. So what's he trying to do here? He's trying to, to, marry, to marry off somebody... Um, mm-hmm. In, into Aenys' family. Is that mm-hmm. what he's doing? So the High Septon was not satisfied, not even the appointment of the reputed miracle worker Septon um, uh, Mer- Mermanson, mm-hmm. as Aenys' new hand could wholly repair the breach of the faith. Okay, so I apologize. The, the appointment to his council. Um, that, that, that didn't work either. Uh, and in 41 AC, Aenys made matters worse when he chose to wed his eldest daughter, um, uh, Rhaenya, to his son and heir, Aegon, whom he named Prince of Dragonstone because Magor, you know, uh, was exiled. So, so that was pretty bad. And they basically, from that point forward, named Aenys King Abomination, the High Septon from Old Town. So they, they issued a decree basically calling him King Abomination. Yeah. You know, um, which, is, which is pretty ridiculous, right? So and and the small folk who once were you know in love with Aenys and the Targaryens started to kind of turn against um, against him, and that also could have been because he of maybe some of the death and his indecisiveness in the realm and not ruling you know with this iron fist or whatever not iron fist but you know what I mean like just right. you know ruling supreme and and and, and strong. Um, so there's that. Uh, let's see, and then we also have so this this creates then the the, the warrior's sons. You know, you've got this uh, this religious uh, type of um, the the faith uh, started to um, let's see uh, for performing ceremonies. Zealous poor fellows took up arms, hacking Mermison to pieces. A fortnight later, as he was carried 
by litter across the city, the warrior's sons began to fortify the hill of Rainies, making the Sept of Remembrance into a citadel that could stand against the king. Mm-hmm. In addition, some poor fellows attempted to murder the king and his family in the castle itself, scaling its walls, slipping into the royal apartments. Uh, it was only thanks to a knight of the king's guard that the royal family survived. So in all of that, Aeneas decides that he's it's time to abandon the uh, to to abandon the city right, yeah. and head back to the safety of Dragonstone because it's it's an island essentially. Right. Um, and now Vicinia actually goes with him. So interesting here, she did not go into exile necessarily with her son. Um, right. I believe she has a dragon herself too. We need to check that. No, she does. Yeah, she does. Because all three of the, all three of them have. Yeah, a dragon, she. Ha- yeah. I forget what her dragon's name is, but. Uh, but anyway, she, she definitely is flying back and forth, I think. So she's counseling um, Aenys to, uh, you know, to take his dragons and bring fire and blood to both the Starry Sept and the Sept of Remembrance. But again, this is a king who, who is just, he just, I don't know, he's not, he'd, he's not quick to do so. He's not a leader, I guess. He's just not a warrior. He's not into that. T- he doesn't know how to do that. And Vagar so, is her battle. Is her dragon. Is her dragon? Vagar. Yes. Okay. Um, so instead, the king, who was incapable of making a firm decision, fell ill with painful cramps. Now, mm-hmm. Vicinia is around. And if you remember in the uh, last chapter, Vicinia is into what I would call the dark arts. Right. Some sorcery, some, you know, um, into mixing of, you know, what do you call it? Potions, Potions herbs. Alchemists. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Um, so... And they raise, I mean, people were raising the question that when he, you know, dies, dies uh, of these, these painful and later and later days after uh, Visenya, after Visenya's death. So even way later after her death uh, is suggested that King Aeneas sudden demise was Visenya's doing. And some spoke of her as a kinslayer and a kingslayer. Did she not prefer Mega over Aeneas in all things? Did she not have. Um, the ambition that her son should rule. Why then did she tend to her stepson and nephew when uh, she seemed disgusted with them? Zenny was many things, but a woman capable of pity never seemed to be one of them. It is a question that cannot be readily dismissed, not readily answered. Yeah. So, so you know, at the end, she, he did start to get better under her care. So mm-hmm. he was under the care of Maesters. And then for a while, he seemed to get a little better with, uh, with um, you know, Aunt Visenya, right, right, around. But then all of a sudden took a turn for the worst. He heard, he actually heard that his, um, that his son and daughter were, um, were at, were at Crack, uh, were at, were at Crack, Hall, Crack Hall Castle. Mm-hmm. And they had been taken, uh, like captive or it was besieged and basically they were in peril. And instead of mounting a dragon and going and rescuing him and whatnot, he, he dies. Yeah. You know, so whether, whether it was that hardship, um, that caused him to, to fall ill again or Vicenia's presence to say maybe he made some, you know, again, he was showing that he wasn't going to go rescue them. And she said, that's it. It's time for your, your reign is over. And she ends him, which mm-hmm. is crazy yeah. to think about, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a sad little, you yeah. know, reign there, I guess. It it's, is, just, yeah. it's, it's, you know, so you had the three um, little rebellions that kind of crop up and then uh, he doesn't handle those well bunch of issues with the marriages and then yeah. you know um, he's super indecisive has to flee King's Landing mm-hmm. which makes you wonder what happened there in King's Landing I think we find out a little bit of that in the next right. chapter with uh, with Makor yeah so, so I might go ahead and jump into the uh, cool connections now since it's just about the high septons kind of in general yep because um, next week we'll be doing 
for our World of Ice and Fire uh, study, Megor the First. And uh, Megor has a fun little time coming back to Westeros where he'll, uh, you know, bring back old Balerion and uh, have and just. He's gonna go check Here's out. He, he's gonna he's gonna go investigate this uh, this new citadel, this this sept of remembrance, as it's called. Yeah. And yes. so, so um, yeah. So the high septums in general, uh, they're the head of the faith of the seven. Historically, the high septum rules the Starry Sept in Old Town. However, after the invasion of Aegon Targaryen, the high septum at the time threw his support behind Aegon, and the position was eventually relocated to um, to uh, King's Landing. The High Septum, you know, they're the most devout uh, people. They usually hang out in the Great Sept of Baylor in King's Landing, a vast building of white marble with seven crystal towers. Uh, kind of said that already. Uh, the High Septum was especially was not especially beholden to the Targaryens and was often dangerous, a dangerous rival to them until the reign of Megor the Cruel. So mm-hmm. we'll get to that. And yep. then, of course, in the show and the books, we see them kind of coming back to power when yep. Tommen becomes king mm-hmm. yeah. um you see cersei's walk of shame and uh it, we, it doesn't happen in the book we don't know if she blows up the sept of Baylor. right we don't right. know that we don't we don't we don't know that um but there were a handful of septons and they all kind of um they all kind of do their own things uh the high septum uh should be known here that uh the high septum actually wears a great crown made of crystal and gold while performing their duties. So they're wearing crowns. Wow. That should tell you something. That should tell you something for sure. For sure. Um yeah, and it is also um uh, known that the high septums are actually picked to di- traditionally by the kings. Yeah. Uh, this was most notable during the reign of Baylor the Blessed, who had a stone worker and later an eight-year-old boy chosen for the office. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's interesting how, like, like you mentioned later, just <clears throat> you know how I don't know. It's it's crazy that the that the seven right this faith is so absolute. You know, they mention in. In in Valeria, that is it Valeria or just Essos, right? That there's this idea, there's many gods, right? Right, and maybe you feared your god, but I think it was Valeria where they're they allowed many different gods, mm-hmm. but they didn't fear any right. god. And here they fear the seven, right? Like they 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 can't. It's like this this uh, religious law that you just can't you can't uh, can't go against it. You yep. can't you can't upset the you know, um, the powers to, that, that be in the, in the religious, you know, cult. Right. <laughs> so anyways, very interesting, uh, plays a big role. So, all right. Anything else in, uh, in the maester study? Uh, nope. That's it. I think we're good. Yep. So let's go all ahead right. and dive into the main chapter. Yeah, here we go. So, uh, we'll go ahead and recap, uh, chapter 11, uh, Danny's Danny, uh, Daenerys two, uh, and then I'll do the summary for, you know, chapter 12. Yeah. So last week we uh, were reading Daenerys's second chapter in which she has her wedding with Khal Drogo, which was not a dull affair because there were at least a dozen Dothraki deaths, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she receives some gifts. She receives, you know, some books, history of Westeros. Maybe it's the book we're reading um, <laughs> for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, Sir Jorah Mormont. And then she receives, you know, a horse from Khal Drogo. And then her and Khal Drogo kind of have their own betting ceremony, which is quite different from the show. And uh, yeah. 
that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so that's where we came from. Now we are diving into uh, chapter 12, Eddard 2. And in this chapter, uh, we start off early in the morning, and uh, Ned is summoned by the king and asked to take off with him. They, they, they need a good ride, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to go out. Um, they have many things that they want to discuss, or that Robert would like to discuss with Ned, uh, one in particular, but just wanted to get away. There's been a writer in the night um, by Varys. Uh, Varys has sent a message to the king um, that he needs to be thinking about as he is traveling back to King's Landing. And along their way, um, they talk about several important things, which we'll, which we'll get to. Uh, and and, uh, and you kind of see Robert and Ned's relationship. Uh, uh, we even get some history as to how they may have maybe disagreed on this, uh, on how to handle this current matter and how they've disagreed on handling uh, the slaying of Elia Martel and her children back in the day. Mm-hmm. So. So that is what we are into uh, today. So let's start. Uh, do you have a, just one big thing that you wanted to pull out or anything in particular? Yeah. So I always kind of forget th- to do that sometimes, but that's <laughs> I okay. Got, yeah. I got several. Yeah. My 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 one specific uh, quote I want I want to take from here. And uh, you know, there was a lot you could take out, um, but I I don't know. It was just I just kind of viewed this one. I think this speaks mostly to Robert's character. And there actually is a big difference between his I think his character in the show and the books. Yeah. In that in the books he definitely does seem more of like a fool in the books in the books okay. they, i think they kind of play it up a little bit more in the in in the books okay um yeah. but i do i do the king said what do you say ned just you and me two vagabond knights on the king's road our swords at our sides and the gods know what in front of us and maybe a farmer's daughter or a tavern wench to warm our beds tonight would that we could, Ned said, but we have duties now, my liege, to the realm, to our children, I to my uh, lady wife, and you to your queen. We were not the boys we were. Um, and really, the, the the thing I like the thing the thing I like about that is it just shows that Robert Baratheon hates being king. He absolutely you could just tell, and yeah, he does. He, he absolutely hates <clears throat> being king. Mm-hmm. He just wants to. He, I think he would have been a lot happier just being a lord. He would have been much happier had someone else taken the throne instead of him. Well, yeah, and I think it's it just comes down to that's what you do when you take someone's, you know, betrothed, mm-hmm. you know, and the and, and the lady that he loved, right. right, is you fight every man who stands in your way, and you're gonna rule them all because you took her. You know, I, I love actually in the in the show, you know, he talks about conquering um, the seven kingdoms, you know, and and all of that, everything that he did couldn't fill the hole that right. her death, you know, left inside of him. And yeah. I really like that piece. Yeah. I really, it shows that he really, so, some people say it's the idea that while well, he just couldn't have, he, it's just the one thing he, he never had or ne- ne- never right. got. I think she's someone who could have, you know, would have tamed him. Yeah. You know, he, he still would have been wild and crazy and stuff, but so is she, you know, right. there's rumors that she's the knight of the laughing tree. Right? right. So, you know, she's spontaneous. I don't know. She, she has that energy that maybe he would have had. And mm-hmm. I think they would have been great. Yeah together so and it's just yeah it's crazy so anyways um something i actually i for some reason i always tend to jump to uh the end end of the chapter but uh, it's something that that jumped out to me a man could not always be where he belonged yeah and (laughs) just gonna so ned says that or it's, it's this it's this thought that he's having as he's talking about where he should be and what he should be doing. Um, and it already mentions that he belonged with 
Catelyn and her grief and with Bran and different things. But I just thought it tells you where but is that is that's not even really he really belonged. That's what I'm saying. Right. Right. And that's he oh, only man. belonged there because his brother. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. And then the other part is, you know, that right. Exactly. Where does he truly belong? You know, um, a man could not always be where he belonged, though. So anyways, um, we'll get to that at the very end, I guess. But um, just to kind of dive back into some of the beginning here, this ride that they take is very beautiful. I think yeah. it's, it's a very nice, it's a cool, crisp morning. Um, to me, it seemed like, I don't know about to you, like Ned was like, uh, he, they're still in his country. Right. He doesn't really want to take a ride through it, but yeah. Robert does. Right. You know, and also it, it shows you that Robert has learned something. There are ears in in his own Mm-hmm. Camp. Yeah, he says that. Yeah, right. So he he this news that he wants to talk to Eddard about. They've got to go take a ride. Yeah, to to sort of you know talk about this. So, um, but just the scenery and the, and the way things are laid out is is really neat. You actually get something. And you you were probably going to talk about this, but I'm going <clears> to <throat> mention it as they ride out the barrows of the first men. They come across this piece that I hadn't really noticed, but yep. it's the grave. They said there there are a lot of these barrows. Yeah, because they, um, they said the north is so old that yes. at, like everywhere you go, there's pretty much barrows. I think it's just because it's it's vast and they, the people haven't uh, either cultivated it or or built up other like a lot of their holds are ancient. You know what I mean? We saw in the Duncan Egg series, uh, Butterwell's place laid. I mean, didn't they didn't they tear down his castle? Didn't mm-hmm. they like uh, because yeah. it just to wipe the um, the idea of, of a Blackfire Rebellion off the map. Didn't yeah. they do that? I, th- I think that was, tr- right? Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. So somebody fact check me on that. But I think Butterwell's Keep back in the day in the Duncan Egg series was just wiped off the map. Yeah, because um, Blood, Bloodraven does not put up with any of that stuff. Right. So that kind of stuff didn't happen necessarily up in the north, as far as I know. Um, and they've got a lot of old ancient keeps. And so then just it's vast. But there's a lot right. of these graveyards, um, little mounds that you can see, these little these little barrows. Um, that, um, that, that Ned just describes those. And I was like, huh, I never really, you know, caught that or noticed that that's, that, that, that those are there. So the dead. Yeah. Clearly visible. Right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, yeah. I mean, just, just looking at some more. So then it kind of gets into the, the news and, um, do you remember Sir Jorah Mormont? Uh, would that I might forget him, Ned said bluntly. The Mormons of Bear Islands were an old house, proud and honorable, but their lands were cold and distant and poor. Sir Jorah had tried to swell the family's coffers by selling some poachers to a Tyroshi slaver. As the Mormons were bannermen to the Starks, his crime had dishonored the North. Ned had made the long journey west to Bear Island, only to find when he arrived that Jorah had taken ship beyond the reach of ice and the king's justice. Five years has passed since then. And then, um, you know, we find out that Sir Jorah is over there kind of spying yep. with mm-hmm. on, with Daenerys. And that's kind of right. something we forget about because it's yeah. not really mentioned in in the series. Well, it is. It is. Oh, but it's not it, till later, though. It's I not mean, it's not till later. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, it makes sense, I guess, because here, you know, as we as you and I are doing our book to show comparison, which will be on Patreon dot com. Bend the knee. <laughs> um, nice little plug. there. Yeah. Well, basically, so in that we've we've had a couple of chapters where we've seen Jorah Mormont, right, right. with uh, Daenerys, and so we and we don't really necessarily know that he's spying on her, right, out the gate. We just know he's been exiled, right. So now we figure out sort of why and that he has a role, mm-hmm. and and we so it, it kind of makes sense in the way that they present it in HBO, but it's it's still is what it is. So yeah, um, Ned was going to take his head. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. 
Sounds like he was going to bring ice and he was literally going to. Yeah, he's not going to put up with it. No. So so he is exiled completely. And uh, and it sounds like House Mormont is not that wealthy. Um, not, not They're a, wealthy, a tiny little house. Tiny yeah. little house. And so he was. 50, I think like 53 Bannerman is yeah, what uh, yeah, something the like Mormont gives Jon Snow. Yeah. Uh, so, so it makes you realize that to keep up with the needs of his of his, of his wife that uh, and her riches or whatever it was that she needed he was really desperate and mm-hmm. made some really poor choices yeah and that's his shortcoming you know is that he he is a lover you know he he wants to and he wants to give and make that person you know happy and stuff so and his first wife was a taker yeah so <laughs> um but anyways so they start to kind of then talk about um the uh, the news, yeah the, the the news basically that um, that the Daenerys Targaryen has wed some Dothraki horse lord. Yeah. Okay. And so at first, you know, well, what, and, the, and, and the interesting thing is that this is the first time we hear of of people knowing about Daenerys outside of yeah, mm-hmm. essence, which is kind of a big deal, and it's it's kind of something that it's like I never you don't really think about it as like a big deal because right. it's kind of like, oh, whatever, because you're learning all these new characters. But exactly. the second time through, you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal that they yeah. that they know about them and they're monitoring. They know him as, they know of Viserys, Viserys as the beggar king. Right. You know, um, and... And remember, it's Lord Varys that pre- presents this information. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting because why would Lord Varys present this information? It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like. I mean, I'm sure that they're like, we want you to have keep tabs mm-hmm. on, you know, on Daenerys. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know why. I have often struggled too. So when you find out that he, the closeness between, well, kind of the, I guess, between he and Illyrio, right? Yeah. And and what they have going on in Pentos, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I really is it don't just know is it just to kind of throw people off to make it seem like he's not secretly in the back of his head got this like plan because or? he has another plan maybe he is trying to get the other two out of the way right and trying to bring back you know whether it's whether it's Aegon Targaryen or Blackfire right um, maybe that he is trying to get them out of the way I don't necessarily know and we know in the show then he goes and 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 works for you know. Um, Daenerys. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of crazy, yeah. but he serves the realm. So I think as things pop up, Varys is sort of like navigating what the realm needs type right. of thing. Okay. So, um, so they were talking about sending, uh, you know, D- Daenerys, a, a, a wedding a gift. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, and then they mentioned that, um, they start to t- talk about the slang of the mm-hmm. children, Yeah, you know, and, yeah, right here. He remembered the angry words that had exchanged when Tywin Lannister had presented Robert with the corpses of Rhaegar's wife and children as a token of fealty. Ned had named that murder. Robert had called it war. Yeah. Pretty pretty big distinction. I mean, let's think about it for a second. So when, uh, I mean, okay, um, Robert, when, when you capture you know, prisoners of war, do you, did he kill his prisoners of war? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, you, I mean, like they're, they're, and he, this is women and children. Right. You know, um, you, you, I know that sometimes during war you'd go in and you'd, you'd plunder a city or whatever and there was rape and stuff like that going on, which is equally as awful and as terrible, but they drew the line, I guess sometimes maybe at murder, right? All out murder. Um, or maybe they didn't and it was actually just like if people got in their way, they murdered them. 
the the city is tyrants. Yeah. There's no resistance necessarily. They're just killed. Yeah. So um anyways, I don't want to get too much into that because I have a lot of ideas and thoughts on right. on on how this is presented to us and how it's glossed over. Yeah. So um anyways, but yeah, I mean definitely Ned calls it murder and Robert called it war. And even John Aaron tried to speak some, you know, some some sense to to Robert, and uh, he doesn't really hear it. He won't he won't hear it from anybody. Yeah, he's just sort of enraged. And 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 Ned says later, you know, here that he he knows when Robert gets like this that there's really no there's no getting around. He's just going to do what he, this is who he is, and there's really no winning at this point. You kind of just have to let it go, and then maybe you can come back to it later on. And he kind of eases up, but j- when he's in this fit, it's just like somebody escalates. You really can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Can't go there at the same rate with 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 them. So, um, now this divides. This really divides Ned and right. and Robert, mm-hmm. and he leaves to yeah. fight the wars in the South. Yeah. So, um, you know, and basically, doesn't they aren't reconciled until Liana's death, and he brings her, you know, back. Yeah. And it's that death that actually, you know, um kind of brings those two back together the love for you know his sister mm-hmm. so because otherwise he left and, and he was like done not having it very disappointed probably in his friend um and this has been something that's that's uh been a problem between them for for years mm-hmm. okay what else you got uh yeah and so then it you know just goes on and I will kill uh, Robert says I'll kill every Targaryen I can get my hands on until they are as dead as their dragons and then I will piss on their graves Ned knew better than to defy him when the wrath was on him and the years had not quenched Robert's thirst for revenge no words of this could help you can't get your hands on this one can you he said quietly so that's a big difference between the show and mm-hmm. the book and the show he's just point blank like it's yeah. almost defiantly as opposed to quietly yeah yeah um yeah, and then uh, you know he goes on to saying maybe you know there's another other ways we can kill him like hopefully they get the pox or you know something like that and then um, talks about how John Aaron wasn't able to kind of calm him either and then he says this Cal Drogo is said to have a hundred thousand men in his horde what would you say to that he would uh, he would say that even a million Dothraki are no threat to the realm so long as they remain on the other side of the narrow sea the barbarians have no ships they fear and hate the open sea mm-hmm. and then. Um, Robert, you know, kind of freaks out and he's like, the king shifted uncomfortably in his saddle. Perhaps, uh, there are ships to be had in the free cities though. I tell you, Ned, I do not like this marriage. There are still those in the seven kingdoms who would call me the usurper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And you know what I was going to do, uh, actually, and I forgot to do it, but is to, and I'll have you look this up for me if you don't mind, just sure. like look at the battle of, 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 uh, the trident. And when you do, you'll see the opposing houses and uh, see who's on each side. Because it's interesting. I think those would be the houses, the houses that sided with Rhaegar during that battle that we hear about still have, you know, the Targaryen banners. They didn't, maybe they've taken them down, but they just put them right. in a closet. They're still there. So yeah. the Robert's army, uh, forces from the north, the Vale of Arryn, the Riverlands, um, House Tully, and many subject lords took um, the sides of the rebels, while other houses, such as House Derry, Mouton, and Ray, uh, Rhaegar, some of the had personal ties to Targaryen, took up the royal cause. House Frey, the largest of the houses sworn to House Tully, was slow to gather 
their forces. Sure they were. Some of the Stormlands uh, through Robert Rebellion was the Lord of Storm End and a central figure of the Rebellion. Most of the Stormlands were trapped in the south and were uh, badly bloodied by Ashford. And the siege at Storm's End and such, their contribution north of the Stormlands appeared to have been limited. Mm-hmm. The Royal Army, 10,000 Dornishmen, survivors of the Battle of the Bells. These may have included loyal Riverlords, Stormlords, and Veilmen. Houses of the Crownlands, including Lords of Crackclaw uh, Crack Point, and a sizable host from the Reach. I believe the Martells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so, like, some of the some of the loyalists were you know, like like how this is these are Vale houses, but House uh, Derry, Goodbrook, uh, Mooton, You know, some of those houses. So we'll get to some of those because they're they're names that come up, uh, and there is an interesting. I got to find this where it talks about as on their travels south, um, they come to uh, a, a place in which something it was, it was. I can't remember where this is at, but you had just read the whole book again. Um, the Targaryen banners are like. <laughs> You know, just you could almost still see where they had, you know, been on the wall and, uh, you know, what have you. I don't know. And they were just just put away. So I think Tyrion runs across them, mm-hmm. sees the, you know, house house Targaryen banner is still in this in this person's house. So anyways, just interesting um, that that was because they, they do call him, you know, the usurper. And, and, you know, you could hear people saying that in the privacy of their own house and, you know, Drinking a few, you know, beers or what have you, and then you know talking about that. But well, even in Dunkin' Egg in the uh, the mystery night where, um, you know, like Egg is baffled that there are still people, or like he's just like, well, they, he he's a traitor. He fought for the the mm-hmm. Black Dragon. Yes, and some people are like, and a lot of people were just like, just were like, it's okay, it was war, it's not right. that big of a deal. And people are other, and he's like baffled by it. Right, exactly, because the, the, they're completely. It was a kingdom to like. All, Everyone is completely split 50-50 yeah. during that first Black Friday. And that's kind of, that's probably what was this rebellion. It was like, because a lot of people were like, you know, you think anybody really probably south of the of the neck was was like, well, yeah. you know, this is, those those northerners are so, because even still, it's like the northerners are just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, yeah. you know, and their rebellion, because yeah. they probably looked at it a lot as like the Vale and the northerners and stuff like yeah. that. So Yep, for sure. So, um, all right. So, so now this conversation, uh, you know, switches to um, the warden of the east. Yes. And I thought this was really interesting. So I want to, I want you so guys, this, if you're so listening, to kind of pay attention to this part. Because did you think this was interesting? Yeah. This is a big difference between the show and the books. Yeah. In the books, so he um, says that he wants to name Jamie Lannister warden yeah. of the east, right? Instead and, of Stannis. Instead of Stannis, right? His and brother. In, yeah, and in the in the books, Robert is far more courteous and kind of um he just he just remembers he's like it's my wife's family. Like right. I can't do that. Which you don't really see in the book. The only time you see it in the show is when he tells Ned to kill the direwolf. When when uh, Cersei is like right. yeah. and what of the beast that hurt your son? And right. he's like yeah. it's a wolf, kill it. Like right. take take care of it. Other than that, he doesn't really show any in fact, if anything, he's always talking about how much he hates the Lannisters and how they're always around him. Exactly. And he's just, yeah, it irritates him that they're right. all around him. But in this, in this, he's always far more cur- kind of, I guess, kind of courteous to his, to his, his, his family. Right. Well, and also, you know, um, he, he seems like the, like you said, he kind of seems like more, more foolish, you know, Tywin Lannister shows up and he goes on to talk about 
what Tywin did and Jamie, right. what Jamie was doing on the throne. How could how can you be so how can you not see? It's almost like he's still trying to persuade him that the Lannisters just did this because it benefit they're they're out for themselves. Yeah, they're they, not they showed up at they showed up at the last second and right. then and then betrayed. You know, they're like Right. And then and then even, you know, I if you want to do that, he's like, well, it's war, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he even goes on to talk about like Jamie and um you know, Ned is like Ned says that. Yeah, but he was sworn to protect the king. And yeah, he stabbed him. Yeah. He stabs him in the back. Right. Exactly. So they're kind of going back and forth on on whether what Jamie did, um, you know, there at the end of the rebellion was a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Uh, and Ned feels like he's about to reveal something pretty big. But before we get to that, though, the Warden of the East. I, I need to look into this, and some of you who are listening can can help me with this, but. I thought since he had given up, because they talk about the fact that he could be the warden of the east and the warden of the west. Did you catch that? Um, so they mm, talked about yeah. how his father is warden of the west, and they want to give Jamie Lannister the title of warden of the east. Well, he is in the King's Guard, so he really. So, it's, but there's right. a difference. It's a difference yeah. between maybe show and book, mm-hmm. um, and I need to look into it more because I just caught it this chapter. Really, that he could be given that title and possibly rule there. I mean, again, well, it's, but it's it's, more, it's, 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 it's a, but I, it's like a it's a temporary it's a temporary thing, right? But he said though later on. So let me, let me see because in it. the chapter where they're in the crypts. And he's he's saying I'll find someone until the boy comes of age because he doesn't want to give it to Robin Aaron because he's so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was reading Kingslayer. Ned said the rumors were true. Then he rode on dangerous ground. Now he knew an able and courageous man, no doubt. He said carefully, but his father is warden of the West. Robert, in time, Sir Jamie will su- succeed hit, uh, to that honor. So it's an honor. It, we're talking more about the warden of right. the West, not necessarily, you know, um, back on Castle Rock ruling as head right. of house Lannister. Um, no one man should hold both East and West. He uh, left unsaid his real concern that the appointment would uh, put half the armies of the realm into the hands of the Lannisters. So, you know, being warden of the North, he is in, con- you know, Eddard is that is he is in control of those armies. Yeah, that is his his job. So they've really split the kingdom into those different. Right, you know, there are seven kingdoms, but then you've got certain people who are ruling over big regions of the armies mm-hmm. to kind of keep things in in order. Right, which is interesting. So I, if you have a chance, go look up what the the title of warden really means. So because you have again, like I said, you've got. Uh, it, it's just different. They're different than being head of, you know, your particular region, I right. guess. They've kind of divided the kingdom into four regions versus, you know, the seven right. kingdoms, right. right? Am I right about that? Yeah, because you have a warden of the... Of the of the east, of the of the west, of the north, I guess of the south? I've not really heard that, though. I, I'd have to... Maybe there's more to it than that. Anyways, um, so I thought that was interesting that he said that he could... Um, Sir Jamie will uh, succeed to to that honor. No man should hold both East and West. Um, so he goes on to say, uh, Robert kind of says that I will fight that battle when the enemy appears on the field. He said stubbornly. Um, At that moment, Lord Tywin looms eternal as ca- 
as a Castle Rock, so I doubt that Jamie will be succeeding anytime soon. Don't vex me about this, Ned. The stone has been set. So I got to look into it more, but uh, I just kind of wondered why are they even talking that Jamie, you know, would be um, su- succeeding to his father's seat? I guess is my question because he's yeah. not hand of the king or anything right now. So it looks here like there, that there are yeah just specifically four wardens. Okay. So north, south, east, and west. Okay. So that what so you know north I guess maybe north also includes. In in the ruling uh, realm, the Iron Islands. It may. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Do they say who the wardens are, the current wardens or anything? Yes. So you have John Aaron, Eddard Stark, Mace Tyrell, and Tywin Lannister, I guess, kind of right before the books begin. Okay. So say that again. So you had Tywin Lannister as Warden of the West. West, South is Mace Tyrell. That sounds like that's yeah. going to go great. Yeah. Eddard uh, Stark as the North, and then John Aaron as the Warden of the East. East, exactly. So, so they're trying to they're trying to fill. So John Aaron's son is the one who they're thinking about. He's a sickly boy. You know, they want to give right. him that title. So he's he 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 is he was he is still Lord of the Vale. Exactly. He is. He's right. still Lord but of the he Vale. Doesn't mean have to be but Warden. commander of those armies. And really, you know. That's why Robert doesn't want to give that to a boy in case he actually would have to call upon the warden of the East to command troops and stuff. Then who would it actually be? You know what I mean? Um, That's the person who's got to gain, you know, I I bet you there's responsibilities with that title, you know, with your understanding who who your lesser commander commanding officers are and things like that. Um, So, yeah, to have, again, to have two... To have one half of the of the kingdom in the hands of the Lannisters is troubling to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to to Eddard Stark. Just yeah, well, think that's that's right. Right. Well, there's other titles too, like um, House Tully is Lord Par is Lord Paramount of the Trident, mm-hmm. right? And so there's you know there's these other titles too, so. right? Inside of those right those four, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, you're right about that. But yeah, because you've got yeah, yeah. it's never super clear. It, they just right, but as it is a little clearer now yeah. that you've that you've talked about this. now that now that it's, this is kind of the nice thing about doing a reread where we come back and I'm, okay yeah it does make a little parts. bit of sense so uh, I just kind of wanted to point that out to people who are listening because I think it is super interesting because I was confused as to you know he can command the troops Jamie can but then there's just little bit about him possibly going back to Castle Rock and I don't think he can do that so yeah. but I don't really know I have to look into the King's Guards vows to see if they. Give up claim to, you know, lands and titles and stuff like that. I thought they did, but it could be a show thing. But it could be a show thing. So anyways, let's, we'll move on. We'll come back to it for a little bit and uh, Matt can kind of look it up a little bit. Um, So your grace, may I speak frankly, says Robert. Um, (laughs) Robert says, I seem unable to stop you. Right here, the the Kingsguard are sworn for life and are forbidden from owning land, taking a wife or fathering children, although they can have non-hereditary commands such as being a warden or hand of the king. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So they can be warden, and I just I, so he could so Jamie Lannister could theoretically become warden of the West, which would still kind of put him in charge, and he'd probably you know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the thing. He could be warden of the West, and maybe also hand of the king. Well, but if he's warden of the West, maybe he could then like be housed at Castle Rock right. and still be a part of the King's Guard. I don't right. know. You yeah. know what I mean? 
like 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 if you go do that, I feel like the Kingsguard don't always have to be in King's Landing, right? You know, they also can be like you almost imagine them as like commanders and generals, right? Type of thing too, which is definitely how Rhaegar used them during, yeah, you know that battle. So, okay, cool. That was fun. That was good. Um, now uh, let's see. <laughs> okay, so Ed or I'm sorry, Ned says, can you trust Jamie Lannister? And this is where you said it. You know, he says, uh, he is my wife's twin, a sworn brother of the King's Guard. His life and fortune and honor are all bound to mine. Um, and this is where you get into the, you know, Eddard starts talking about, they both kind of talk about um, Ares and the things that he did and how terrible he was. And, um, you know, and Ned's pointing out that he is bound to Ares Targaryen um, and, and look, look at what he did to him, you know, just you know, stabbing right. him in the back. Um and I don't remember exactly where this is. I'm just going to go off a recall here, which which helps me. When Ned uh, and his forces get there, um, Robert Baratheon is injured. It says he was injured in this uh, this chapter. It mentions that during the Battle of the Trident, he's injured by Rhaegar Targaryen. And so Ned moves forward with his forces. Uh, Tywin was there. Ares, um, uh, the Mad King, opens his gates um, and, and welcomes him in, right? When... Eddard gets there. Um, he is, he basically, he's still mounted. He rides right into the throne room and he sees, you know, a 17 year old Jamie Lannister sitting with his, with his lion, you know, um, helm. Um, helm sitting, you know, with his feet up, maybe possibly on the, on the iron throne. Yeah. If you look, if you go to like the page, there's a lot of, there's a lot, always a lot of art that shows him just kind of like just chilling know, there, just like right. lounging on it. Right. And and, the, and you're in a room, so there were there were Lannister forces. There were also Lannister banners uh, flying in King's Landing when he gets there, mm-hmm. which is interesting, right? And so as he gets there, you know, um, Ned takes his forces right into the throne room, and the Lannister forces fall back uh, and and kind of retreat a little bit, right? Which I always found interesting because if why didn't time, you know, if if the if the plan was to just take it. Mm-hmm. You would have to imagine that Ned's forces and all these forces that just fought at the tribe would be pretty tired, and you'd have to imagine you've now you've now got a you've now got a stronghold in the castle. Couldn't you have just been like, nope, it's ours? Um, Why do you think they stood down? Well, because because you had uh, the warden of again back to the wardens, the north and the east, um, and 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 the Dornish forces were basically demoralized yeah. and retreat back to Dorn. And so then you have the warden of the West essentially against two other, you know, yeah. so he, they were outnumbered yeah. um, for sure. And it's also one of those things like they waited to see the outcome of that battle. Right. And then and just seeing then that just they do were it, then beat, just do it. Yeah. Then just do it. They wanted it. Right. Because we, as you said earlier, Tywin brings, I think at that point you've got the because hostages because and they kill Elia Martell and her children. Yep. Once they figure out what happens to Rhaegar. Right. And then, and then they say, oh, well, you should marry Cersei afterwards. But that's only after they found out that Lyanna's mm. dead. Because what was, what was, what was their plan if Lyanna Stark had been alive? Oh, I, I think it was just to sort of, they still wanted to, to just be, you know, uh, in charge of the West. They wanted to be on the winning side. That's what I think their, yeah. their, their true plan was there. Although Jamie being 17, Ned's kind of saying, do no, you they think, have real ambitions for the, but for the do you think throne. they knew that Liana was going to die? Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. Uh, Cause that just Whoa. raises, that just raises a lot of stakes. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's see. Cersei did go get some prophecy because it said that one day you'll be queen. Mm-hmm, and how, mm-hmm. how would she have become queen if Lyanna had been alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was supposed to marry Rhaegar at one point. Trying to figure... Okay, okay. I wasn't going to do this. Okay? <laughs> I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now. I honestly had a thought earlier, and I was going to talk to you about this after we stopped recording, but I'm going to do it now. Okay. Tywin, when he brings... um, When he, when he presents... Elia Martell and, and Rhaegar's children there. I believe if you think about this, when they captured King's Landing, as I just said moments ago, they're captured. They didn't just go in there and it's not like they were holding up their hands, you know, or like, or like they were taking up arms fighting, right? They're probably uh, held up inside of a room somewhere and they get them and they have to decide what to do. During that moment, during that time, if Lord Varys is there, this is where you get into... How, did did was Varys there before and and maybe they um, two two possible scenarios Varys working with the Lannisters to say um, you know we're going to um, you know he wants them killed and you know and so he gives them up to you know Tywin or whatever or he helps smuggle the kids out of there right. we've talked about him smuggling the kids out in some way and then basically they were these kids were killed in a way in which you couldn't recognize them necessarily. Right. They're also um, little kids, so it's hard to recognize. Hard to tell, right? But they talk about in this chapter that um, that Rainey's was a little bit older and was underneath her bed, and they pulled her out of her bed, out yeah. from underneath her bed, you know. And then they brought um, well, and also remember, Aegon also remember that infant. at the, you know during this during this sack is when um, Riella or not Riella, but is that her name, Riella Targaryen, and uh-huh. Viserys yes flee to Dragonstone, right? Yeah, and and, and Daenerys is born, yeah. right? So my, my thinking was born a little bit later, but right, yes, yeah, yeah but, but still, yeah, son, yeah, yeah. Um, but my thinking is though, with with Varys there and this whole piece with Tywin, he has to decide. So you're asking the question about Cersei Lannister, right? Maybe he knows from Varys what's going on with Lyanna, and he he figures out that oh, she is dead or going to die in childbirth or something. Perhaps I don't know because mm-hmm. she doesn't die until later because Ned goes south and she's actually alive after the war and when he dies in childbirth. Um, Air quote there dies in childbirth. Yeah. Um, but what does he? What does he learn? What does Tywin learn when he's in King's Landing? I think he learns a lot, and um, and so and maybe here's the other scenario: is if Varys was successful when he gets the children out of King's Landing, you know, then Tywin says, "Okay, I'm going to kill two kids and make it look like we have like we're going to present what we believe are Rhaegar's children." You know, maybe Elia Mar- Martell was actually there. And they were able to, to kill her and, and present yeah. her. And that then makes the other two look legit. And Varys is a sneaky son of a gun who would be willing to maybe possibly sacrifice Elia Martell, but not the children. That's and make true. some sort of some bargain, you know, with Tywin. Seems like he would do something like that. So I have got more to that, but I, I need to kind of pencil it down and, and, and think about it more. Because, you know, I think ultimately their idea is that they just want to hold... Uh, the West and be on the winning side, but I think they learned a lot there uh, when they sacked King's Landing. So, um, okay, let me see what else we can get into here in this chapter. Um, let's see. Robert, um, he's impatient with everything that Ned is saying. So, um, you know, Ned Ned basically believes he's he's divulging the secret about what he saw Jamie Lannister doing. And like, look, the Lannisters really ultimately just want the Iron Thro- or the um, <clears throat> they, they want to rule supreme over the Seven Kingdoms, right? And and Net and Robert just doesn't necessarily believe that, right? 
So, um, let's see. Um, you were not there, Ned said, bitterness in his voice. Trouble, um, troubled sleep was no stranger to him. He had lived his lies for 14 years, yet they still haunted him at night. There was no honor in that conquest. So this was one of the things that I was um, that was going to pull out as my, you know, part at of the beginning. Yeah, yeah, kind of a quote of the week. Um, they're talking about the treachery of the Targaryens. They're going back and forth here. Um, Robert says, "See the angry one." Lannister paid them uh, back in kind. It was no less than they deserved. Um, I shall not. I shall not trouble my sleep over it. And then Ned. This is where he talks about his troubled sleep. And how he it wasn't he wasn't a stranger to that. But this in, this line was one line here, and and you know uh, as as I do that Gur and what he does with one line one word Absolutely. means a lot. Uh, and he says he had lived his lies for fourteen years, yet they still haunted him at night. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, let me back you up with another line, as okay, sir Ezra. Yeah, you avenge Lyanna at the Trident. Ned said. Uh, halting beside the king promise me ned she had whispered that yeah. did not bring her back so he throws in the promise me ned line right right in the middle of that thing to subtly remind us of her death it could like why there's no there's no other reason to have that promise me ned in there she whispered there's no reason to have it in there you can get your point you as a writer you can get your point across absolutely by just saying you avenged her at the trident exactly but that's a lie that's the thing. Exactly. That's the lie he has been living for 14 years. It's pretty it's right in our face. It's like, right there. It's yeah. right there. So, I mean it's 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 great, you know. So, he had been lying to himself for 14 years, troubled sleep, etc. Um, you had been you eventually on at the Trident. And then as soon as he says that, there's the haunting. Promise right. me, Ned, that you'll keep doing what you're doing right there, which is to lie mm-hmm. and and guard this secret with your life. Mm-hmm. Unreal. unreal. It's unreal. And it's it's just it's just you could Literally, if you're listening to the chapter or reading the chapter, you could literally slip right by it and not even really realize what's what the impact of that mm-hmm. is. And what that he, is what, the, that's the nice thing about doing it. It's uh, you know another scene which we'll get to later. Um, I, uh, it's in the show. Um, I think it's it, I think it's portrayed a little bit better in the show than it is the books. Um, where Barris and Selmy and Ned are talking about. Um, Oh god, no, I can't remember his name. But the knight of the the knight of the veil vale who dies at the tournament, and he mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, had been he John Aaron Squire, and oh yeah, and, and they're talking yeah. they're talking about Barris and Selmy's talking to Ned Stark mm-hmm. about um, you know his father and like being great warriors, and you know they're just they're going back and forth. But the second that Barris and Selmy says. Uh, what the Mad King did to your father was a shame. Ned Stark immediately changes the subject, yes. yep. and is like, you know that 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 knight back there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's another thing where it's just it's it, if you're it, you know you want you gotta like pause for a second. Like, what really happened there? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so honestly, I covered most of the the, the rest of this. Which just, this all right. kind of talks about what happened at the throne room. Was was Jamie Lannister just tired? Was he sitting on the throne? You know, the throne because he's he's tired or whatever. And it doesn't seem to really worry Robert very right. much. He's he, he's not very interested in it. And you know, kind of says, uh, "Is that all? You, it, this is well known." Um, even that piece about Jamie Lannister, that doesn't really bother me. You know, it it, it is what it is. So. Um, so let's see. So anyway, so he, he kicked his horse uh, back in motion and galloped over the barrow 
um, raining earth down behind him. So, anyways, he's done with it. Come on, let's ride. Um, you used to know how to. I want to feel the wind in my hair again. Going back to the whole, like, we're just out and about. We've discussed this enough. Right. You know, um, they, really, they didn't really get necessarily. Get, they gave us a lot of history. Um, clearly, Ned is against killing um, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. And brings that up again as one of their old arguments and, and tries to convince him, you know, about this. And, and, I, and I just, is it because he thinks just murdering a young child is a problem or is it mm-hmm. because he has a secret? Targaryen? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All of that, you know, so you still know. Right. So um, he definitely, though, did speak out against the, the murdering of Elliot Martell. Right. I mean, an innocent. And you just, you know, I think it's. It's huge. So okay. So that's basically um, that's basically it there. Let's let me read this the last bit here. Um, let's see. He was no John Aaron to Aaron to curb the wildness of his king and to teach him wisdom. Robert would do what he pleased, as he always had, and nothing Ned could say or do would change that. He belonged in Winterfell. He belonged with Catelyn in her grief and with Bran. A man could not always be where he belonged, though. Resigned, Eddard Stark put his boots into his horse and set off after the king. So, yeah. Yeah. A man could not always be where he belonged. So anyway, just really, I, I, I liked this chapter, really liked this chapter a lot. I thought mm-hmm. there was, there was a lot of cool stuff in it, some history, uh, you know, for you guys and some of the politics and the setup of the realm, you know? So, uh, yeah. All right. We've kind of covered our cool connections, I believe. Yes. For the most part. Okay. All right. So there we are. So we are into send a raven. Um, you can send those ravens to BTK Cast. You can give us a uh, a call at six one four five four seven two three five zero, and we have a raven. Yes. Today we've we've pulled out this this raven. We've got again. We've saved some of them for for follow up Friday. But here we go. We got a good one. Uh, you want to read this one? Yeah. yeah. Hi guys. I believe it's sirs and lords but we'll just let it we're just uh we're just we're just messing <laughs> but seriously uh yeah. no uh currently listening to you guys uh you guys read my theory and i wish i could be there discussing it with you we had read his yes. this super long theory detailed read, yes. lots of good stuff yeah but uh, uh, this was the last one we just did this on follow, the on previous follow friday yes. yeah about the night king yes there's so much i want to add that would not fit into the email but i'm glad that you uh thought it was worth discussing i think matt again sir matt but i'm just <laughs> messing but seriously uh, I, uh matt nailed it in the key questions and i thought uh, the theory explained uh what do the northern words really mean mm-hmm. uh why are the night king why are the night's watch so called who's the third head of the dragon can't wait for you to come back with these other ideas on these uh, now listening to your thoughts on John and Danny's baby, and I have one more rabbit hole for you. Good. What if Craster was foreshadowing for John and Danny's baby? John having to offer his son to save the realm would it be would be seriously bitter sweet? Regards, yeah. Sam. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate uh, the Raven and uh, appreciate the 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 theory and everything that you Absolutely. sent us last week too. So keep that coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had some, we did have some people comment and say that was a really interesting theory. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. So. so. Um, now, as for John and Danny's baby, right, um, possible baby, you do get a little foreshadowing also when John tries to save a baby yes, as well, too. And so isn't that interesting that he would possibly have to save a baby but then give up a baby, mm-hmm. you know, to save the realm mm-hmm. type of thing? Uh, that would definitely be ironic, right? Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be, you know, interesting. So what do you think, Matt? I mean, is it... The, 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, that that's that's something that's something I keep I keep coming back. Would it be bittersweet? It'd make it. It'd it be would a, be. It would definitely would be bittersweet. I actually do believe there is going to be something to do with a child with, with the child, yeah. and I think in the show maybe it, it might not be explained as much. You know the 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 talking thrones theory about like oh it's the hundredth baby and it was supposed to be all, yeah, yeah 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 that yeah. seems a little far fetched. But I do believe yeah. there's something about it because Craster was offering these babies up to the Night King, and the right. Night King takes them and you know turns them alive. into White Walkers. Yes, not not, 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 not apparently whites. Right. Yeah. So there is something there with that that I believe will be explained in the books. Yeah. And that's going to be a much bigger thing. So then that does come down to. I don't know if I'm trying to trying to think here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to have something to do with the White Walkers, but I do believe it could have something to do with maybe Cersei's baby. Like maybe there's a tie between Daenerys and Cersei's baby, and it would be really interesting if da- it was something where they had to sacrifice a baby because that's how Daenerys's kind of that's how the book the first book ends. Remember, yeah. she gives mm-hmm. up her. You have to. Only life can pay for pay life. For life, that's right. So there is something there. there. Is. So what if, say, the what if Melisandre were to die, and then, so John couldn't be resurrected. Then John actually dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe taking out Cersei. Maybe the, maybe the Night King part comes second as opposed to the Cersei part. Uh-huh. And so then Daenerys has to use blood magic from her baby, which she thought she would never have. Yeah, and now she does it to save John because so then John can fight. The the Night King the Night King or something yeah right or something like that that's that's like that I get you yeah I mean I definitely think there's a lot of uh, I need to think about this a little bit more because you just brought up a really good point you know only life can play for life and that Danny has gone through this before and then John is kind of doing is is trying to combat Melisandre mm-hmm. you know and and sending um you know Mance Raider's baby with Sam and Gilly right uh, and then keeping Gilly's baby. Mm-hmm. Which is dangerous mm-hmm. uh, because that was one that's sought after by um, the Night. great other, or right. the you know Night King. So there's that. So yeah, there's definitely a lot. And, and this this whole story starts off with the killing of Elia Martell and her children, which is brought up multiple times and uh-huh. is a super big deal. And some of these children, and then you've got Lyanna's possible offspring. All right, and all there's these, and a, all of these, all of these people who. You know, when they were babies, their mothers or whatever died, died in yeah. childbirth, Tyr- right. Tyrion's, mm-hmm. Daenerys's, yeah, like theoretically said, John's. And you could say Cer- Cersei coming up, too, mm-hmm. with her whole prophecy, you know, um, piece, which you talked about, like, I think last week or whatever. The Valonqar prophecy. Yeah, we yeah. really we really need to dive in that. We actually had someone ask ask that we we dive cool dive deeper in into that. And yeah, I um we will. I had been uh I had actually been doing a little research more into it because it is. It's so uh, Valencar is Valyrian for little brother, and um, so uh, Cersei or excuse me, Jaime and Tyrion are both little brother to mm-hmm. to Cersei. So it could be either. Okay, could be, could be either of them. Yeah. Okay. So um, Sam, great question, and uh, you know those of you who are listening, uh, you know, and you want to talk about it when we post the weekly thread, leave us a comment, let us know, and we can we can discuss a little bit more in in, in depth. I also like that he sort of he brought back the whole the questions. What do the northern words really mean? Uh, why are the Night's Watch so called? And who is the third head to the dragon? Those are the questions, uh-huh. and that that we're thinking about that we're trying to answer in that theory on Friday and going forward. I think it's, it's changed some of the way I look at this stuff. Yeah. So, 
So there's that. So, all right. Thanks, uh, Sam. We appreciate it. Um, on to Man the Wall. Mm-hmm. We said we would do this earlier. We've got some, uh, we've, we've got some, we've got some uh, folks we need tonight, my friend. It's true. You know, I think it's time. It's time it that we do this. It is time. We have two of these. Um, one of these is, I guess, more of the traditional one we'll be doing. Right. And the second is more of a custom one, which you are certainly open to doing. And for those of you who have taken the black, you can all, you are also entitled to a knighting ceremony. That's right. So you even if you've sent us your Night's Watch vows, you are still entitled to a knighting ceremony. Right. And and what's interesting about the the that tier, taking the black... Um, that one you need to, it's a little bit of extra work and we apologize, but it's You don't fun. have to if you don't want no, to. No, you don't have to. But if you want to have your voice heard on the show, it is fun to kind of, you know, uh, say your vows and, you know, say them in a, in a sept or you can say them in front of a heart tree, whatever you'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make that distinction and we will play them on the show. So that takes a little bit of work, you know, and you guys are sending us a voice file. Um, but the knighting ceremony is basically... It's basically this. We're about mm-hmm. to get into it here. So, uh, do you want to do this one, Matt? Yeah. <clears throat> Jared of House Gebhardt has sworn before the eyes of gods and men to defend those who cannot defend themselves, to protect all women and children, to obey his captains, his liege lord, and his king, to fight bravely when needed, and to do such other tasks that are laid upon him. However hard or humble or dangerous they may be, rise, Sir Jared of House Gebhardt. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, let's go. Um, and, and so we, we pulled this, you know, from uh, from the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple um, different I believe, ways. I believe Sir, uh, Sir Jared is the brown bear. Yes. His, sig- his sigil is going, we're, uh, we're working on that is going to be a brown bear on a red field. So, yeah, yeah, I like it. I absolutely like it. So, Sir Jared uh, of House Gebhardt, we appreciate you manning the wall with us. And uh, he is a hedge knight. And uh, as a fellow hedge knight, I'm very uh, happy to, to share my fire with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a little bit of mead left and some cheese. Um, the meat's gone hard, but we can we can put it in some water and soften it up, my friend, and, and have a good little, you know, mm-hmm. good some little salt, Some salted beef. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so, and then we also have the second option, which again, this is a little bit more of a custom uh, ceremony. You can send us an audio file and we will just play it. Um, and so we'll take a quick listen here uh, to Lord Adam Parker. Over a thousand years ago, House Parker has sworn itself to the Starks, always remaining loyal. The Starks have returned our fealty with justness and the ability to read our favorite books. Well, shouldn't we be allowed to read and discuss our favorite books again? I didn't listen to Second Breakfast, and I will regret that until my dying day. A man can only admit when he was wrong and ask for forgiveness. There is nothing to forgive, my lord. This is what I say to those southern book clubs. (laughs) I, Lord Adam of House Parker, first of his name, Reader of books, the young bull, ward of White Harbor, warden of the White Knife. No, no other podcast about the song of ice and fire than this Bend the Knee podcast. There sits the only podcast I mean to bend my knee to, my lords. This sword is yours in exciting chapters and the boring. 
from this day until my last page. Rise, Lord Adam Parker. You have sworn before the eyes of gods and men to defend those who cannot defend themselves, to protect all women and children, to obey your captains, liege lord, and your king, to fight bravely when needed, and do such other tasks that are laid upon you, however hard or humble or dangerous they may be. Rise, Adam Parker. All right. Um, so, again, you know, those ceremonies are a lot of fun. I, I, I like I like both options. Yeah. I will basically, on patreon.com forward slash bend the knee, I will send you a message. And if I don't hear from you, we'll just do a classic, um, just a classic ceremony. The other one that we have, which Matt and I are going to, and we'd like your like your feedback on this uh, for the nighting ceremony. So this is we might put this on like a poll on right. on, on Patreon for our patrons. Um, but uh, the other one is really neat. I like it. It's, uh, it's it's the one where basically you are charged in the name of the warrior to be brave, in the name of the father to be just, in the name of the mother I charge you to defend the young and the innocent, in the name of the maid I charge you to protect all women. I like that one a lot, but it's not finished. Right. In the text, I can't really find where it is finished so it has four of the seven so if mm-hmm. someone if some of you would like to draft up a possible finish mm-hmm. to that i would it would feel more authentic if, if we in our book club finished that right. uh, and if ceremony. you are not someone who uh adheres to the seven like That's myself right. i'm more of an old god let's go um <laughs> so uh, or hey if, or if you uh or if you want to be a knight in, in the drowned god there's you know they they have kind of have a different little ceremony mm-hmm. they take. Actually, in the north, I don't believe there actually are knights. Right, but Bran wants to be a knight. He does. Remember, that was Bran's whole thing. He wants to be a knight. And so that's why I like the the, the one where, you know, um, that you've sworn, you know, you know that before the eyes of gods and men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so gods, plural, could mean old, could mean new. It's very open-ended. When you start to when you when you get into in the name of the warrior, we're talking about the seven, right? Okay, so if you want to avoid that one, that's fine. Not that the other one doesn't sort of pertain to the seven and the faith, it does, but it's it's more of a, you know, it's a less formal knighting ceremony, right? And it can I think I think Beric Dondarrion used that. He probably did. I think he used that. I could be wrong. I might have him mixed up, but he definitely um, he he knights you know someone, which right. Is, pretty cool we'll talk about that when we get there uh so anyways man the wall guys you can join both of those tiers and uh and we, we'll get you guys some some cool stuff again the first black council episodes coming too and and those are going to be just so you have a taste of, of what those are like imagine the maester's study but imagine us honing in on on one one character speci- one or, very specific event or, or event yeah, yeah. person place or thing right because on, on it's a noun right yeah, it is. Okay, yes, good. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> challenging uh, your uh, English. Yeah, it was a big jam yeah, and stuff. Um, so anyways, um, okay, I think that's basically um, it for Man the Wall. You just feel free to join the discussion at facebook.com forward slash Ben the Knee podcast. Um, we're going to continue to do all the good stuff that we do there. So I think it's time to say uh, farewell, my friend. Yeah, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 13, Tyrion 2. We will see you in a week. And remember to hear me roar.